conference of parties or COP as it is referred to, and India's dilemmas with greenhouse gas emissions. Hi, I am Mini, and this presentation is brought to you by Green Story Media. Today, we discuss the agendas in front of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change or the UNFCCC, which is scheduled to meet at Sharm El Sheikh in November this year for the 27th edition of the Conference of Parties and what it particularly means to India and India's interests towards mitigating climate change. Conference of Parties, as you perhaps know, is a global summit on climate change. It is held by parties to the UNFCCC on climate change. It is like an international treaty with the primary aim to stabilize the greenhouse gas emission globally. Right after the Rio Earth Summit, the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change was created in 1992. The first COP was held in Berlin in 1995. There has been one held every year since then except for 2020 when it was not held due to COVID. The Paris Agreement of COP brought about an ambitions meeting ground between the countries and approximately 200 world leaders representing them. What was agreed upon was an historic target of plus 2 degrees Celsius increase in temperature to be kept as a threshold for the planet. This net change was not to be crossed over the 1990 levels for the world to push back on the changing climate. This was unprecedented. And finally, a target of 2 degrees became an overarching theme for everyone to rally towards. The climate change debate rapidly democratized towards one parameter, greenhouse gases and net emissions from member nations. Now it was for every concerned member nations, party to the Paris Agreement, to lay out their nationally determined commitments or NDCs against this objective. The COP has been about pledges, plans and commitments by member nations in the last five to six years. The member nations also pledged to keep the greenhouse gas emissions below 1.5 degrees Celsius through aggressive NDCs. This is the reason Paris Agreement becomes the most common go-to for most climate change activists and crusaders as much for the global companies and economies. The Paris Agreement put in place a review mechanism and set a deadline of 2025 for the measures proposed by member nations to lead to its objective of 2 degree rise in global temperature. Unfortunately, six years since, the situation is as follows. The global emission currently is at plus 1.1 degrees Celsius from the 1990 levels. If the entire NDCs proposed by the member nations are even truly implemented, the emission levels actually would increase to an alarming 2.4 degrees. That means that the nations are not collectively committing enough to the cause. If every targets are to be implemented on the ground, the emission level would still remain at 2.1 degrees Celsius. With full implementation of every announced commitments, the target can move down to a somewhat acceptable figure of 1.8 degrees. This is the larger picture. On the ground, there are many existing and emerging realities. Let us look at some of them. There is an increasing divide between the developed nations which comprises of most of the European Union, US, Canada, Japan and Australia, and the developing world, which includes most of Africa, Latin America and Asia, with two big countries in it, namely China and India. 
then there are also nations whose livelihood and existence is threatened on account of climate change they are the ones demanding quick action the trouble is that the developed nations have contributed to the present level of pollution and are seen as responsible for the present state of the problem at the same time the developing ones are on the threshold of becoming more developed and would require to emit co2 to grow their economies to add to this the developed world still continues to be the the largest polluters even while they have outsourced the goods and services consumed by them to the developing world this is making the situation precarious and inequitable equitable distribution has become a major so point even as the developing nations commit to a net zero emission level for themselves by the year 2050 it wants the rest of the world to be net zero by the same time this would not be possible for the global south as the developing nations are referred to without sacrificing their own impending growth they would need help in the form of new technologies and finance from the global north therefore in good faith it was agreed that the developed world or the global north will help the global south the developing ones with financial assistance and newer technologies for a faster adoption towards a less polluting world unfortunately this is not seeing much traction a promise of 100 billion dollars as a goodwill finance agreed upon as early as 2009 is still to be disbursed so the transition towards a greener world is quickly seeing a financial bottleneck as most have realized that it is not billions that is required but trillions of dollars which is needed to make effective changes on the ground now let us look at india's position and status in the existing global context india's prime minister narendra modi in his unfccc address has sought 2.5 trillion dollars towards india's first ndc goals he said that india needs 1 trillion dollar immediately India's problems are ever slowly increasing on many fronts. First is that for India to cut its carbon intensity by 45%, it will have to make a substantial move away from its coal-reliant power sector. According to a Bloomberg NEF data, more than 70% of India's electricity came from coal power plants last year. Second is that India's transportation sector, which contributes to near about 1/10 of India's GDP, relies nearly 9/10 on fossil fuel. The air pollution levels in most of the populated areas of India, especially in the Gangetic Plains of northern India, is abysmal and is already crossing the threshold of being toxic for humans. The groundwater and the surface water as per many indications and studies are largely polluted across the country. Extreme climate occurrences are on the rise as is being witnessed over the last decade in the Indian subcontinent. The recent floods in Pakistan has been devastating. The Himalayas is seeing its largest melting of ice over its entire history on account of global warming. Himalayas is the source of many large South Asian rivers which act as a lifeline to millions of people along its path in India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Nepal, China and others. In India, the pressure is much on the national think tank from every quarter, including that of UNFCCC. In response, India did well to formulate an action strategy on emissions which said the following. India said it will reduce 1 billion ton or 1 gigatons of CO2 from now to 2030. 
Basically the increase is envisaged from, now at 2.88 GT to 4.48 GT in 2030, to be curtailed to 3.48 GT instead. India has promised, its 50% energy requirements to come from renewables, by 2030, it wants its present capacity to scale to 500 gigawatts of electricity, from non-fossil fuel. India has said that, it will reduce their carbon intensity, to less than 45% for the economy from 2005 levels by 2030. Of course, the Prime Minister, did announce a net zero on emissions, by the year 2070 recently. Incidentally, China has promised to get to net zero by 2060, while the developed world, like we mentioned before has stuck to 2050, as their targeted year to achieve net zero emissions. India's per capita emission, will be one of the lowest, amongst countries, by 2030 at 2.6 tons per person, up from the present 2.3 tons per person, largely, on account of a high population count, projecting forward. The targets specified in the case of India, look ambitious. While perhaps, Mr. Modi, has issued a caveat to India doing its bit, subject to availability of financial assistance, he, in a way, is echoing the sentiments, of the developing world. Notwithstanding, the global financing situation, the question remains on reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. How exactly would this be achieved? And what needs to be done? To mitigate the emerging challenges. As per the numbers stacking up, if India and China, fail to achieve curbs on emission, the world will not wheel, towards reduction, and if they do indeed go the full hog, it will certainly set the tone for the entire, Asia and Africa to emulate, and take the world to a better place. Simply because, these are the regions, where the bulk of the population, in the world, is at the moment. For the world at large and for India in particular, the global geopolitics, and state of economy, in the last year, or so, is painting a gloomy picture. While the world, reeled under the impact of the pandemic, and supply chain disruptions, in the last few years, the beginning of this year, saw the Russia-Ukraine war taking center stage. With war, and inflation, hitting the western world, soaring price of oil and gas, has the economies tanking. At the moment, things are looking far from ominous. US, which is a major indicator of world economy, has tightened up with interest rate hikes, an impending slowdown in growth, which in turn, has forced a slowdown across the globe. Europe, is already under a recessionary trend, and under, increasing pressure from the disruption mainly to its economy, due to the war in its neighborhood. Every country, including the developed ones now, is thinking, and talking, about their energy security. With the oncoming winter season, the fears are real, especially in Europe. In this scenario, it will be unrealistic, to see global lending towards climate financing, in a manner which is aggressive. Hence, the pains of Glasgow and COP26, well may carry, to COP27, and Sharm el-Sheikh.